This is a download from BFM 89.9, the business station. Good afternoon. This is Front Row on The Bigger Picture and I'm Sharmila Ganesan. Today is our fourth show in a series on the Performing Arts Meeting in Yokohama, Japan, which I had the opportunity to attend last month. So the event is held every year for performing arts professionals from around the world, particularly Asia, to come together to present works, attend discussions and to network. So today I'm speaking to dancer and choreographer Lee Renzin, the only Malaysian performer to be featured at the event. How are you doing, Renzin? I'm good, thank you. Why don't we start off by you telling us a little bit about the the show that you did present at TPAM? Yes, so uh, the work uh, originated from a daily ritual that I ongoing undertake in my neighborhood back home uh, in Pataling Jaya. Mm-hmm. So basically in TPAM, Yokohama, I have a form that is of take uh, that takes the form of a daily ritual of walking, walking and dancing in certain spaces outdoors mm-hmm. in a particular neighborhood. So this is very similar to what you did here. So the the work was called Section Nineteen, right? The one that you, uh, I suppose, are still undertaking in in Malaysia. Yes, but. Uh, right this moment, not because of the <laughs> yes, of course, yeah, that's right. Mm-hmm. Um, so, what is when you say daily ritual? What does that involve? Right. So, in the Malaysia version, it's it has changed a little bit over time. In about one and a half years, it started off as a every day. I tell myself I must walk for one to two hours out from my house where I live, and eventually. Maybe a few weeks later, I started adding dancing to the ritual. So I will arrive at certain spaces and I will respond to the space by dancing or using dance to sense certain things and process dancing as a way of thinking in that environment. So in the Yokohama version, I just fixed that for eight days, every single day, I will walk out from where I'm staying in Yokohama and do this walking and dancing ritual. Mm. And what does what exactly does the um, ritual involve? So let's talk about the Malaysia version first, maybe as, as, to, as a context. So mm. you go into um, just your neighborhood spaces, I assume, um, and yeah. you dance. Is that it? I dance is one big part mm-hmm. but I also walk and spend time in the place and eventually talking to people uh, bringing conversation to dance but also beyond dance about movement about um, sense of body in day to day with the people in the neighborhood and what are their reactions to you doing this mm. In the beginning, people would ask me, what are you doing? Are you doing Tai Chi? Are you doing Kung Fu? What (laughs) exercise is that? And then I will share to them that for me, it's dance. And, uh, but it could also be how, how you want to make sense of it. But for me, it's a practice. It's a way of sensing the place that I'm in. And eventually, 
later on, some children started to join in myself and sometimes my uh, other dance friends who joined me. Uh, the children will join us doing some movement games or challenges. And later on also, there was a woman who is a shopkeeper and she also requested, can we do the, she calls it exercise. She asked, can we do the <laughs> exercise with her? So now and then uh, on a weekly, once a week, at least I go to visit her and do some movement session. Occasionally she has friends to join. Occasionally it's just her. Mm-hmm. Mm. What was the what was the aim behind this idea? Like, did you start off with a particular aim in mind? Um, I think in the beginning, I was just trying to find where my work of dance is relevant in this immediate space that I live in, um, and then. Maybe slowly, I'm also finding actually in this neighborhood of, for example, this part of Pataling Jaya, where is dance? Uh, where does dance already exist, mm-hmm. or where could it exist, and how could it be relevant to the day-to-day of certain residents? So you've been doing this for um, about eighteen months now. Are you mm-hmm. have you sort of arrived at an answer to that question? Mm, some some hints emerge. So for some people, I think it is a way of self-care and attention to the body because uh, certain people, maybe depending on their, on their economic situation or living condition, do they have they might not have the space or access or time to care about their body or themselves even. Uh, maybe they're busy taking care of the family or or other things. So in this 20 minutes or 30 minutes a week, they decided to, okay, I want to take this 30 minutes to give to my body. Mm-hmm. This this is one example. Um, for children, maybe it's about a direct relation with the environment around them, the physical structures, the the space around them, and also interacting with each other. Because uh, sometimes different different ethnic group kids are easier to mingle. Uh, how to say brassingan? Uh, respect. Uh, how to say brassingan? Um, <laughs> uh, separately. Separately, yeah. <laughs> separately, but uh, with dance, uh, separately is because some of them they go to different, what do you call vernacular schools. Mm. So it was a bit hard for them to speak to each other in one language. So with dance and movement games, it's easier to enter. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So do you initiate these games for them or are you in, more an observer where these games are already organically happening? Mm, actually, in the beginning, about a year ago, I had a, a bit of, I experimented with a kind of formal setting of a weekly workshop with the kids. So I spoke to the management of so the site I was focusing on was a four-block um, low-cost flats, and I spoke with the management, and they s- supported me with the Dewan free of charge, and 
I had weekly sessions there. But slowly, slowly, I learned that actually I was trying to find dance in the day-to-day spaces. So by putting them in four walls, it's uh, kind of going backwards again mm-hmm. to what I was trying to do. So eventually it came outdoors and I think it's it really belongs in the outdoor. And uh, I guess kids, when they see, they will be curious. They Sometimes they are shy, but after a long time, they will join in. Or sometimes between kids, they have different dynamics. So sometimes the quieter, shyer ones will only join when the, the more... Uh, prominent kids are not around or something like this. <laughs> mm. <laughs> You've been talking about spaces and, and when you say neighbourhood spaces, what kind of spaces mm. are we talking about here? Where, What are some of the um, spaces that you've, you've done these rituals in? Mm. Um, I do explore different, uh, different, different spaces. So, for example, some very obvious spaces that I feel of course you would move here is like a taman or playground mm, yeah um, hence why they think some- you're doing tai chi la. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah but sometimes I will do on a bridge or at the side of the road or in the car park or in so for example with the woman that I talked about um, the 30 minute a week so it's at the a shop lot corridor because she's a shopkeeper and she cannot leave the space for like she has to be at that space for 12 hours a day so mm-hmm. I go to her shop lot and we'll do it at the corner of the kaki lima mm-hmm. like that mm. Mm. and what is the role of the conversation aspect what does it add to your practice mm. I think as of today in the urban city that I live in dance might feel very distant or from the body for some people. And so sometimes just thinking about uh, thinking about moving or dancing might feel like, oh, I, like I, there's a huge gap to enter that. But maybe talking about dance or talking about one's experience with dance, one's anxiety or alienation with dance is also a way to enter into thinking about dance and thinking about movement and body in everyday relation. Mm. So you um, primarily, in in Malaysia, you've primarily centred this around the Section 90 neighbourhood. I'm curious as to the demographic of the people that you've reached out to. Are they mostly local or are there also people from abroad? And what is the age group and the ethnic uh, makeup of them? So... For instance, the recent few months or recent one year, I've been focusing on this site of uh, four-block low-cost flats. Mm -hmm. So there it is quite mixed. uh, Malay, Indian, Chinese, migrant workers from Bangladesh, Nepal or other places. And there are families, senior citizens, children and working individuals. So quite very mixed, but maybe mostly in working class mm-hmm. and uh, migrant workers. Mm-hmm. And you mentioned earlier children. Um, do you also get people from across the age spectrum, meaning then you get children all the way up to senior citizens? Mm. Um, so a lot of the children right now who are involved or have been involved are children who are already lepaking out. And I, I mean lepak in a good sense, like being 
able to be outdoors mm-hmm. freely. Mm-hmm. So actually, majority of these kids are boys. And so, for example, I would have 20 boys and four girls, mm. the proportion. And I spoke to some parents. They Some of the reasons that some mothers told me were that either their father don't let their daughters out or they say that they are... Um, warga asing so they feel it's not safe mm-hmm. so uh, from here I sense some type uh, some distress or some gap between these community who live in this same space mm-hmm. uh, yeah so most of the kids are around primary school a lot and secondary school less who join in lah? So, but maybe higher secondary school age, they, they I haven't really interacted very much with them. Mm. So we do need to take a quick break. Um, but when we come back, I'm very interested to hear how you transplanted this idea into a neighborhood in Yokohama. Um, I am speaking to local dancer and choreographer Lee Renzin and her experience presenting her work at the Performing Arts Meeting in Yokohama, Japan. You're listening to Front Row on The Bigger Picture, BFM 89.9. Welcome back. This is Front Row on The Bigger Picture and I'm Sharmila Ganesan. Today, we're continuing our series on the recently held performing arts meeting in Yokohama. And we're speaking to the Malaysian performer who was featured there, dancer and choreographer Lee Renzin. Uh, Renzin, before the break, you explained uh, the Section 19 project that you've been working on here for um, almost two years now. Um, and it, it, it to me, it sounds like such a a locally rooted idea. So how does it work when you take that and and implement it in Yokohama? So actually I'm also I was also discovering as I carried it out in Yokohama. Um, it reminded me back to the starting point when I just started it in back home, which is about sensing uh sensing the freedom of my body in certain spaces or in encounter with different uh, body identities. Mm -hmm. And I think uh, it quickly dawned on me that because I am in Yokohama, which is a culture that is foreign to me. uh, So for instance, there were a lot of things that I didn't know how to read, like uh, whether one area, what type of people or demographic is in a particular radius of a space in right. in the neighborhood. So with, I mean, in the beginning with that non-unknown, I kind of felt really free to do anything I want. But at the same time, I was also didn't have any reference. Mm-hmm. So, but later on, uh, I I was also lucky to have, because of this activity and friends connection, I met with some artists. One in particular is Art Lab Ova, who is based in Wakabacho, one of the neighborhood in Yokohama. And she explained to me some context about the space and history of the area. So, on a notional level, I have some reference to the space and place. 
how did you pick the neighborhood that you decided to work in 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 Yokohama? Mm. So it there are a few ways that I found myself doing it. Some is from a very instinctive, intuitive sense of uh, permission with the space or or feeling like I could be in this place or identifying some familiarity. So, but another, so maybe if I use another example, it's easier. So the other thing I noticed was that I very quickly identify with certain people who dress in ways that I feel they are from Southeast Asian. So mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, in in what I mean is that I started following people I identified as people who came from Southeast Asia and or or even people who are not speaking Japanese. So I followed these people and they kind of brought me to a bit of a radius nearby Wakabacho. And I think that was how I slowly gravitated to that area. Mm. And what about the that sense of um, connection and conversation that you managed to do here in Section 19? Did you manage to do that there, you know, with things like cultural and language barriers? Mm. Uh I think in conversations from the dance, I didn't. But uh, with some children there, they joined me into dancing really fast. Like <laughs> I was also surprised. They basically they immediately joined me. Mm. Uh, some senior, some old aged men spoke to me, but I they spoke in Japanese, so I didn't. I, I couldn't really talk much with them mm-hmm. except some gesturing. So in terms of conversation, that was it. Mm. So what exactly was the, um, rather I suppose, you know, with, with the with the performing, performing arts meeting, the idea is to present a work. A work like this, um, what was the idea in terms of how you would present it to the audience there? Perhaps I was thinking uh, there were two parts. So one part is the ritual that I was carrying out. And for me, for the ritual, the audience or the the other, the people that I was interacting with were the people in that neighborhood. Mm. Um, and then on the final day, the presentation at the festival venue, it was a sharing of the process to people who came for TPAM. I see. So um, the the people who came for the the meeting, um, and yes, and then I was there as well. I realized we didn't necessarily get to catch you while you were doing your ritual because that seemed a little bit more like you would do what felt right on that day. Uh, yes. So when it came yeah. to the sharing session, um, you know, mm. what was the aim with that? I think the aim was simply I was sharing about. The process that I was doing, uh, what I discovered or what I realized I didn't know and was curious about and perhaps to see what what um, in this festival, people coming from different places or from Japan, what what was their response to it? And what did you learn from 
doing this ritual in a different country, in a different neighborhood, one that is not familiar to you? I I think uh, going like in relation to sense of body, I realized that maybe at least for myself, a lot of inhibition or sense of body, sense of freedom comes from social conditioning. So when I was in an environment that I do not know what is the norm or codes, I I don't have certain inhibitions that I ha- would have back in my neighborhood. Oh, interesting. Um, yeah. Yeah, and... I also, I think now thinking back why I gravitated to that particular neighborhood was also maybe because of the, it felt more accepting of diversity. Mm-hmm. So I think I felt more at ease in, in that space. And is there anything that you've learned or picked up uh, from presenting your work at TPAM that you intend to kind of feed back into Section 19 that you've been doing here already? I I think I now I will want to, and I feel I want to let go of some inhibitions I've been having for some time. Mm. And also, I think one of the biggest Thing I could bring back with me was the other people sharing to me their uh, maybe things that they know other artists have done in similar trajectories and or other ideas and it makes me think about for instance in my back home in the neighborhood for me I am more like a like a moving moving visitor but I'm starting to think so so with that I mean when I meet the people there or I do rituals together with them I'm in their space whereas right now one of the things that I'm occupied thinking about is do I need to make an alternative space where they can come to visit me so that in this space that is not their usual uh, space that is associated to their usual dynamics and politics, could they in this space feel like they could do other alternative things? Mm. Does that make sense? Yes, it does. Um, It also makes me then um, ask do you know already what the end point of this project will be? Um, what you hope for it to become? Is there going to be something at the end of it? Mm. On the ground in the neighborhood, I feel like I'm continue. I will. I don't know a clear end point, but I do feel like I want to move into more tangible uh, spaces or 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 maybe more tangible rituals with the people. Um, but off the ground from the site, this year I am concurrently working on a creation that is based on questions that I have from this journey that I'm having in the neighborhood and workshopping with some friends. Uh, right now, Bihang and Yen Chun. Um, so I'm also figuring out what 
comes out from those workshops that we can share to the public. Have you become more attached or more a part of this neighbourhood of yours since you started this project? Yes and no, I guess, but maybe... Perhaps because for a long time late in this later part, I was focusing on the site of the four blocks of flats. So in a way, when I'm there, I feel a part of them. But when I'm not there, I also feel that they, uh, I'm in a different circle mm. from them. Actually, I'm thinking more about the the families I know that don't have Wi-Fi and computer. Mm -hmm. So I know that they're not sharing the things that we're sharing mm -hmm. online yeah. right now. But at the same time, they cannot come out of the house. And I, I don't know if house is always a safe place for some people. Mm. And I think with regard to the neighborhood also... I realized that the the migrant workers that I I interact with they are all still have to go to work now every day. Yeah. It goes on for usual. Um Yeah, I I I think that those are the things on my mind. Uh, so just as uh, just to wrap up, um what's next for you in terms of this project? Um I will Right now, I'm actually in Japan. Mm -hmm. So, but I think going back, I will be thinking a lot more about the restricted movement and how what continues on the ground in the neighborhood, and also on the parallel development is the workshop creation that I'm working on with my dancer friends. Mm -hmm. Well, thank you so much, Renzin, for taking the time and for joining me on Skype from Japan. Thank you. Thank you. I've been speaking with dancer and choreographer Lee Renzin, who was the Malaysian performer featured at the Performing Arts Meeting in Yokohama last month. This is the fourth in a series of shows we are doing about the arts meeting, so do tune in next Tuesday to Front Row for the final episode. If you've missed any part of this interview or any previous Front Row segments, you can download the podcasts on bfm.my, on our BFM app or on Spotify. You've been listening to Front Row on The Bigger Picture, BFM 89.9. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To find more great interviews, go to bfm.my or find us on iTunes. BFM 89.9, The Business Station.